iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight for our event, um, Clash of the Titans. We get to meet the filmmaker. So without further ado, um, I'm going to bring up Jeff Boucher. He is moderating us tonight. He's with the LA Times. Jeff? Thanks. Hello, everybody. How you doing? Um, my name is Jeff Boucher, like she said, and I uh, write a blog called The Hero Complex, and I write features for the Los Angeles Times. And today I'm very happy to uh, be talking about Clash of the Titans, and uh, we're going to meet the director, and we're going to save some time at the end for questions, if you guys have any questions. So, did uh, anybody see the Transporter films? Anybody see, uh, yeah? I love those films. There's such a great kinetic energy in those films. And along with the, uh, the two Transporter films and Hulk, Louis Leterrier is also the director of Clash of the Titans, which, which opens this weekend, and uh, it looks like uh, has a lot of promise for a big weekend. So let's bring Louis up. Everybody. Hi. How are you? Very good. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Hi, guys. So you must be excited. What's it like for, uh, to have a movie this big opening? You know, it's, oh, it's, uh, it's exciting, but it's also very scary. You know, it's like um, you spend two years of your life working on, like, you know, you know, behind closed doors with, like, a crew, you know, big crew. But afterwards, the crew gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And your circle around you is very small. And then now, you know, the movie's not mine anymore. It's, it's literally at 8 p.m. after we finish the, the, that little thing tonight. You can go and see this movie, and it's yours. It's not mine anymore. So it's very scary, yeah? Yeah, you must, do you like lose focus because you work on it for so long and you work so intensely? Is it difficult to even see it by the time it... it yeah, oh yeah, very, uh, you know, we, I made a calculation actually on this movie. I think I've seen the movie a hundred thousand times, like a hundred thousand times. You don't see the movie, you see the detail, the the freeze away hair on the, on uh, Ray Fiennes that drives me nuts on that scene, you know? <laughs> that's, the, that's what I'm seeing, I'm not seeing the movie. So, so it's funny, I, I, it takes me... And then afterwards, you've got like rejection. You don't want to see the movie anymore. Like Hulk, I haven't seen for... Every time it's on HBO, I'm like, oh, that crap. <laughs> I don't want to see this movie. <laughs> I t literally, you get like an aversion. And then I'm like... I did a movie called Unleashed, and it was on TV the other day, and I watched it for the first time in four years, and I was like, oh, six years. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to look back on things that you've done, and you can look for the... Uh the signs of where you were going, the path that you were on, but it's, it's difficult when you see the clunky moments, I suppose, huh? Yeah, yeah, very much so, very much so. And, you know, like everything, there are, you know, studio movies, the politics are involved, you, get, you have to drop some scenes, and you're like, ah, that scene, that was so important, but that, you know, it's not so much us to decide. We do, like, you know, screen test, and then the audience tell you that that scene is not important, you let it go. So it's kind of, it's kind of fun to, you know, the movie that comes out tonight is, you know, for me, I'm like, ah, Wait, you know, somebody said, they say, you know, it's true. The movies are not finished, they're abandoned. Every movie is abandoned. You know, I just abandoned this movie literally seven, wait, no, yeah, seven days ago, eight days ago when we finished the 3D. Like eight days ago, I was like, oh, no, there's one thing, you know, so yeah. That's fantastic. Can you talk a little bit, you mentioned Ray Fiennes. Can you talk about the cast? I mean, it's a, it's a very deep and uh, a veteran cast as well. Yeah, well... It's funny, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're veterans, but also they're also uh, newcomers and 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 people that are famous in their own country, but not possibly not famous here in America or in other countries around the world. Um, when Warner Brothers and Legendary said would like to shoot this movie in Europe, I was like, mm, great, because being French, I'm exposed to 
much more cinema than you guys are exposed to. I mean, now with video and stuff, you know, in, here in America, I think you guys have like five, well, how many movies come out every week? Like five to, five yeah, to a couple, eight? A couple of weeks ago, we had 16, which was a, 16, yeah, well, a huge amount. That's a huge amount. Well, 16 is a regular opening week in France. We get t 15 to 25 movies every week. And in France, which is actually pretty good, we have this card. So you pay 20 bucks, uh, $25 a month, and you can see... All the movies you want. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. So, that, no, that's fantastic. You guys should do this. You guys should do this. No, but it's fantastic. That's how I got my education. I went to see everything. Movies I loved, I went to see it six times. And every time, you don't have to, you know, cheat and stay and, you know, like hide in the bathroom and come back out. You know, that. you just say, I'm coming back out. You pay your ticket, then you come back in. You know, it's kind of cool, you know. Could you watch uh, Hot Tub over and over and over? Yeah, Hot Tub. <laughs> no. no, but literally, I... Um, I uh, so I went to see a lot of movies and everything. And, you know, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, you guys saw it maybe once in Casino Royale. I mean, not you, but like, you I mean, Americans in general. I've seen him once in Casino Royale. Well, I knew Pusher. I knew all these movies that I'd seen a lot, lot of times before. And I was dreaming of working with him. Uh, same thing with, with, with the rest of the cast. As for the veterans, I wanted the gods because, you know, Greek mythology, it, it was sort of like the you know, the star system of, the, uh, of ancient Greece, you know, the gods were like, they're heroes, they're superheroes, and they're writing stories. They're, it was not the Bible. Greek mythology is not the Bible. They were kind of like their version of our comic books, and they were writing stories about these gods who were doing this stuff and sort of like explaining the world that scared them outside of, uh, outside of their towns and cities, you know, through that. So... Uh, that's, I wanted them to be famous, to be recognizable faces, but the rest of the cast... Sort of uh, unknown, except for that guy, Sam Worthington, who I cast two years ago because he hadn't done anything. And now I'm like, ah. Oh. Everybody's seen his face, that's for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, he's blue, but that's all right. But that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So the younger actors are the mortals and the, uh, the stars yeah. are the... Uh, well, y younger, older. I mean, you know, great character actor. Like, like um, the father of Perseus is this actor whom I love called Pete Postlethwaite. It's very hard to pronounce for a Frenchman. Postlethwaite. It's a TH in the middle. And he's this guy who was in Romeo and Juliet, who was in, uh, in the, in the uh, yeah, usual suspect, uh, the father. I mean, he's this amazing actor that, that I've always admired. Um, uh, to have the opportunity to work with him was a dream come true. I was like, move over, Ray Fiennes. Oh, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, you know, it's interesting, the, uh, the relationship of the father and the son, um, both fathers, um, to Perseus. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because, I mean, that's really hardwired into the plot. You know, it's funny. But it, you know, um, it's, it's meeting Sam and working with him and realizing that, you know, he was very human and wanted to tell a human story, that we really fleshed out this story and the his will to, to do it as a man. You know, he, in the movie, you'll see... He, he wants to defeat the gods, but he wants to do it as a man. He's half god, but he doesn't accept that power, and that's 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 very important. So the father and sort of like family relationships in the movie is what's at the the heart and the core of that movie, and everything is concentric circles around it. You know. Yeah, that's very interesting. And um, Zeus is uh, just a, an amazing look about him and with the shiny armor and everything. I told you it reminded me of Excalibur, but you said it had a different influence. Well, no, Excalibur, you know, it's funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, so I meet Liam Neeson, so every time I meet a famous actor, I'm like, <laughs> and they're like, where's the director? It's like, it's me. Oh, yeah, you, you look like the PA. So. 
so, so first of all, I look like a dumbass. Then afterwards, I, I'm like, well, you know, and we do this feeding and everything. And then he, he does, uh, he, he tries the armor. I'm like, yeah, he won't look like this. You know, I'll put like a shine on it in post-production. Like in this movie, you remember Excalibur? And he's like, yeah, I was in it. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Then I was like, oh, well, yeah, I knew. I had no idea. I had no idea. No, no. <laughs> no. Of course, Excalibur, but like, this would be too obvious. Uh, there, there's an anime called Sensaya. You know Sensaya, the you know the the Knights of the Zodiac. It's a it's a Japanese anime uh, about actually Greek gods. And uh, since I was you know 12, 15, this was like uh, when you guys watch uh, I don't know. Uh, like regular, I don't know what, I didn't grow up in America, but like, you know, regular uh, sort of Sesame Street. We watch anime because there was no uh, French programs. It was just anime. So I remember this and everything. And I was, it really sort of like make a big imprint in my brain. I was like, wow, you know, sort of like, that makes sense that they're wearing uh, metal instead of fabric. Because I would, if I was a god, I wouldn't wear this sort of annoying fabric that you know gets dirty, starts getting stinky, and everything. I would wear suits of armor, especially in in our story, which is a world at war. It's a world where humans and gods are at war. So so it made total sense. So we designed these beautiful armors. Every god has a different color. Every god is a different metal. Like uh, Ares is copper. Uh, Zeus is uh, platinum. Uh, uh, Apollo is gold, and it was really cool to have all of them. It's really funny. On set, of course, they shot you know big stars like this. They come in, they work for a week, and then you know you just you know they, they although they are sprinkled out throughout the entire movie, they worked for one week. For, of, of course, it was the one, the hottest week in in uh, in England, the, the only week where it was hot in England because the rest of the year it's raining and miserable. But you know it was like so they were there and they were like four hours to get in makeup and in costume and everything, and. We had to align them on sort of like big balls. They were like action figures, big action figures. So, you know, they were all like laying there waiting for me to call them, waiting for me to change my shot and get the stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'll play with that Liam Neeson doll now and that Ray Fiennes doll. And they were like, you know, two guys were like taking them off their boxes, which had, you know, the boxes had fans and stuff like that and straws to, you know, make them, you know, hydrate them. But it was really fun. Yeah, it does, it does sound fun. You mentioned the war between the mortals and the gods, and um, there has to be a relationship uh, between them that gives the mortals a chance in that fight because it's not a fair fight. And you, you guys came up with something very clever as far as uh, the worship of the gods enables and empowers them. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, no, of course, yeah, it's thanks. pretty key, right? Yeah, yeah, no, um, thanks, Jeff. I mean, it's, it's clever, but it's very simple. I mean, the, you know, there's a rule in cinema, it's called KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. Because, you know, like, you have to keep it simple. If the audience doesn't understand, if you don't understand, the audience won't understand, you have to make it very simple. I'm a big video game geek, so I, watch, I, I play video games, and if you have a rule in video games, something very simple, you know, you know that's what you have to do. So imagine, what, what, if we take the, the principle of the beginning that you know, there's a war between gods and men, you know, an audience member would give me like, how can you have a war between gods and men? A god would come and, and destroy a, a, a man. What's well, very simple. If you don't pray to the god, the god loses, you know, loses uh, strength and loses sort of like eternal life. Very simple. So that's what, you know, after thousands and thousands of years, men have discovered, stop praying. So they organize, they start destroying these idols. I mean, you saw in the trailer, the big statue of Zeus falling down. That's what they're doing. It's the beginning of the movie. They destroy all the idols. They burn the temple. The gods are getting weaker, and they're getting very fragile. 
because that's you know it's not fantasy it's mythology it's like the difference between history it's like in between history and fantasy so these gods existed they, they're not here anymore so but why so we explained it to we explained it this way and it make you know it makes total sense so one god gets weaker because the people stop praying to to him and a god another god gets stronger hades because people start praying to him because they're afraid it is interesting too. I mean, and we've seen things like that in some other things, like American Gods. You and I were talking about that before. Yeah, yeah we love American Gods. Yeah, it's fantastic. And then, as far as um, you know, one of my favorite things about the movie is that you made Pegasus black. And I know that that wasn't an easy decision. And it was you- very tough. White <laughs> or black? <laughs> Difficult. Fifty-fifty. <laughs> uh, Manichaean, right? Black. The, uh, <laughs> but at what point you were thinking about bat wings as well, right? Or yeah, that- no, I was. I was. I tried. I wanted to really push the envelope because we have, you'll see in the movie, there are white pegasi, but the black pegasus is the only one, the, the most fierce, the, the, the actual the guardian of all pegasi. Um, uh, so I was trying to really push the envelope. You've you got the, the sort of like white fluffy pegasus with, with, with you know, regular feathered wings that we've seen before. How do you make it different? So we had, you know, we found the biggest horse we could find. I mean, that horse is crazy the horse is it's the biggest horse i've ever seen uh and he's got an attitude actually that that horse has like an attitude problem he hated sam and they're like the two of them they actually wanted to fight that to you know part them the two of them um, of the horse yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh at one point i tried to put bat wings but it looks strange you know like when you design a monster sometimes you realize that you break the monster like you, they, they're, they're expecting something else you know but it was imp- it was interesting to have him, uh, I would have loved to have him involved in at least one scene, but he, he was just too old, and, and yeah, we couldn't get him on. And then, um, how key was it to you uh, to to pull the big action scenes? I mean, Medusa and the Kraken. I mean, you wanted to use those as sort of uh, major beats in the in the film, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, compass uh, point. When you see the movie, if you go see the movie, you'll see that the the and if you know the original, the the starting point, the catalyst. He's very different. He doesn't fall in love with the princess. Like, oh, she's beautiful. Let me go and kill the Kraken. We make the Kraken this real actual thing, very tangible, very palpable. So I wouldn't go and defeat this thing, which is un, you know, unbeatable, just for the beautiful eyes of, of, of a princess. I would go because something you know, heartbreaking has happened to me that I'm like so blinded by hate. That, that my quest is more of a vengeful quest. So, so the drive is kind of like you know, those 70s movie, revenge movies. That's yeah. kind of this. And then you have, you know, instead of having you know, guys with nunchucks, you have uh, harpies. But you know, that's kind of like, that's what we try to do is, is, is keep, the, keep the sort of uh, emotional momentum going, the gut going. And, and, and that's why this is more of a of a of a an, an adventure piece than an action piece because action I've done action movies before a lot of them too many where you you know the story starts and then stops pa, 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 fight 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 a uh, guy knocks out three guys and then the uh, story continues sometimes it, with a fire hose right yeah, yeah <laughs> sometimes with fire hoses sometimes with you know crazy oil and stuff you know but like still uh, uh, it was fun but you know it, I, I prefer adventure movies. I prefer Indiana Jones type of movies where you know the action keeps going. It's, you know he he makes a joke or or he gets a piece of the plot, a piece of the puzzle while you know getting punched. That scene in in India in Raiders where uh, Marion is in the plane and the plane goes around and he fights that guy, the ball guy. That's amazing. That's like 
pure, pure adventure stuff, you know. And that's why I always try to get, it's like you've got several pieces going at once. If he misses, uh, you know, if he doesn't grab, you know, a piece of that, she will die. I always try to get that stuff, you know, and, uh, and that's what we try to do, you know. But it was important to, you know, as, as dif different the heart, of, you know, the beginning of the movie is, I wanted to hit the flagpoles of, of Medusa, um, the, the witches and, and the kraken, obviously. The scorpions are, in the original one, a very small piece of action. You know, in this one, it becomes a big piece of action because the design was so good and we dis you know, it was so fun to fight with them. But, but yeah, uh, um, I, did not, I didn't force myself to hit those flagpoles. They, they, they were quite natural. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I like, and I really love the film, um, is the uh, the way that the action and the plot weave together. It, it doesn't stop, and you and I were talking about this before. I mean, sometimes with the action se sequences, it feels like it was made by a different director, and sometimes it is. Um, a lot of times it is, I guess. And uh, there's a, a lack of uh, sort of flow, and, and this yeah. film has a really good flow, so you know, oh, congratulations. Well, you know, we... Uh, thank you. We, I, uh, I work with the second unit, but I don't treat second unit like other people do. Like, I don't have... I don't say, go shoot your stuff, and uh, I'll shoot mine. I'm comfortable shooting action. I'm comfortable shooting drama. And the second unit director I get... I, I want him to be comfortable shooting action, comfortable shooting drama. So most of the time, you know, I, I do one thing. I say do a couple of pickups on uh, Jeff's beautiful shoes on something like this. You know, that's what I want, you know. So all the little, like, blood drops and stuff like that, that's more what he does. The big set pieces, I, I do it myself. I mean, Nolan, Chris, he does the same thing. You know, he, he shoots everything. It's like it feels like if you really want to keep control of your movie, get... As little, if 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 yeah, if and possibly nothing shot by a second unit, you know, because I think that's how you keep the integrity and you really keep the control of your of of your um, of your story. It's interesting. Some people even have a third unit, right? Yeah, I mean, I, and I had a third unit. It's like you know, when uh, I sent a unit to Ethiopia to shoot some plates. I mean, that's the kind of stuff. It's funny, Hollywood. The rule of Hollywood is, is well, it gets nowadays. It's like you know, they meet you. They're like, I would like you to to do Clash of the Titans. You're like, ah, great. The movie is released in you know March 26, 2010. That was the the old date, and then it's pushed to one week because of the 3D. But it was like, with, and you're like, wait, but you have a screenplay? No, 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 no. But we have a release date. <laughs> you're like, oh. <laughs> and then so you're like, make the calculation in your mind. You're like, oh, wait, I've got an, a year and a half to write prep shoot, post, and then uh, turn the movie in 3D. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff to do, you know. Uh, and it's not a simple movie. You've got 25 monsters. You have to do the design. You have to, you know, rewrite the, the story. The good thing about this one was that, they were, you know, there was, you know, the screenplay had been written 3,000 years ago. It was pretty, it's out there, you know. I just, you know, I had the structure. I knew what was happening at the end. Uh, uh, but, you know, it's, it's every day you have to work. I mean, to give you, a, you know, an idea, I'm working easily every day, 20-hour days, 22-hour days sometimes. Wow. Sometimes 24-hour days. I mean, sometimes on, on the Hulk, I was like working like two weeks straight, no sleep. You go crazy. You start seeing stuff. <laughs> yeah, Big green guy. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I remember one day I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing it, man. <laughs> fantastic. Well, you mentioned Hulk. Uh, let's, for a minute, visit the Marvel Universe. Do you... Uh, is there any uh, anticipation that there will be another Hulk film? And do you know anything about the Avengers project? Is that something? That yeah, I'll tell you who the director. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, do you hear that? They, they, I heard yesterday that they put a director on the Avengers. 
No, I did not. Ah, I heard that. It's a rumor. It's not me. I, I don't know. I, obviously, I would tell you, but it's not me. I heard yesterday a rumor. Somebody came to me and said, oh, there's an adventure. It doesn't hurt. And they finished Iron Man 2 yesterday. Like, finished, finished. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's the movie I want to see. Um, no, uh, what should I say about Marvel? I mean, you know, yeah, these are great guys. And yes, I'd love to work on another Hulk movie. But, like, I feel like... You cannot do a Hulk movie if there is an Avengers movie. It feels like you know you cannot have these two paths going different, you know, separately. If you know that if the world has been introduced to Avengers, the Avengers, Hulk, you know, wreaking havoc somewhere, you know, like where, they're going to show up. Where the, where the <laughs> hell is Nick Fury? What, what's he doing? Yeah, yeah. that computer is broken. <laughs> uh, no, but like really, that um, so so they have to decide either Hulk or Avengers I think it's going to be Avengers with, with Hulk in it you know now the question is like Hulk good guy bad guy we'll see yeah, half and half probably yeah. and then um, you know uh, you, you mentioned like the, the, the wide scope of Greek myth obviously it, it's just vast there's a lot of room for sequels is that something that you've thought about yeah um, uh, conceptually no no conceptually yeah absolutely um, uh, you know when you do a big movie like this for a studio it's a studio that did the Harry Potter, that did the Matrix, that did you know uh, the bat, the, all the Batman's, all of them, uh, especially the Schumacher ones. No, but okay. there's, <laughs> only <one>. <laughs> there's only one. <laughs> oh, there's only one? No, two. Oh, there's two. Wait. Oh, yeah, two. So. That's right. There's only one that I, is so bad that I remember. It. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, but that, that's the studio that actually uh, wants. Uh, you know they want they love franchises they want to you know keep them going because they they understand that people want to see that stuff so uh, when they give you money to do a movie like this they want to know that in your mind you know where you're going and and that universe you know you don't finish with like and at the end he dies what no it's like so they 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 ask you sort of like three quarters into writing a screenplay can you stop thinking about you know, sequels and prequels and you know uh, other stuff. So, so yeah, we 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 started. You know, with the brothers uh, Phil Hay and Matt Manfredi, we start we started thinking about sequels and and it's very simple. The, you know, the sequels. You just open mythology and you're like, cool. Oh, you know, Heracles or Hercules. Great sequel. Uh, like you want to. You're like, it, it's fantastic. Like. Again, concentric circles. Take Perseus as the actor, sort of, sort of like Jesus Christ uh, figure. Everything is like you know, and you have people rotating around him, and and you know the twenty-five creatures that we see in in uh, Clash of the Titans are just one tenth of the creatures invented in Greek mythology. Whether you know they're sirens, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it's fantastic yeah, stuff. It goes on and, yeah, on, and, goes on, and on. on and on. That's interesting. And then the Kraken is not from Greek myth, is it? No, and, and, and the jinn are not for green myth. I mean, you see these guys in the trailer, those blue guys. It's jinns from uh, Arabic mythology. And, uh, and um, that's what I wanted to know. It's like mythology around that time was the... Like I said, you know, they were like the, the comic books at that time. So we tried to mix mythologies. So, so, yeah, you can expand mythology. Kraken is borrowed from Norse mythology. The jinn are borrowed from Arabic mythology. There's Asian mythology that we can bring in. I mean, who knows? You can expand, expand, expand the world. So, you know... When Clash 25 comes out, directed by my grandson, uh, uh, no, but like you can actually keep going, 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 going. It's kind of a fun, uh, it's a fantastic universe. I mean, uh, uh, um, I, there's one thing I'm, I'm, I hope this movie accomplishes is, is getting people reinvested and reinterested in, in Greek mythology and reopening books. These are fantastic stories. They're the basis of, of modern. I mean, you you guys know. I mean, you guys are. We are here for a reason. I mean, you know the hero's journey, all the Joseph Campbell stuff, and everything. I mean, these are like, like 
you know the the, the, the origin of three act structure and the hero and the journey and how you break your fall you you read that if you want to write you know read a screenplay like on the whole get with Norton and I we were reading mythology in order to inspire ourselves because we knew that superheroes were great gods so we were inspiring ourselves with you know uh, with you know the structure of of uh, Isiod, uh, you know and all that stuff so yeah you know, you, you mentioned that you uh, you cast Sam early on, uh, and he's had this great success with Avatar, and he was in uh, Terminator Salvation also. Tell me about uh, what in him you saw that you wanted for your Perseus. What was the, the qualities? And I met a f- I met a lot of actors actually, um, and and a lot of American actors had this sort of like like you sort of like you know good looking a lot of hair no but like you know I know that you Jeff if you go on an adventure you will succeed you will win no, I know that you, you will lose against traffic but you, you haven't talked <laughs> to my wife have you <laughs> yeah. no no but like I, I know that you know so like big bro you know everybody comes in they have like big shoulders like this I'm like oh I'm like, that guy's gonna win at the end I'm not, I'm not uh, he's not conflicted enough he doesn't have that thing um, and then Sam shows up, and and I hadn't seen anything but Somersault, you know, a great but very strange little movie, Australian movie, and and he was great emotionally in it, but physically he was not doing anything physically. So I meet him, and and we have this amazing discussion about the character, about you know who he is, and and I see him something powerful, like a strong, you know, it's funny, you see thing, in every one of his movies, somebody touches his heart and says, you have a strong heart, and I think that somebody has to stop to write, stop writing that, that, that line of dialogue for Sam Worthington, you have a strong heart, you know, <laughs> every one of his movies. It's his, uh, yeah, I got just, a bad yeah, feeling yeah, exactly. about but this. But literally, he's like, guys, stop telling me. So anyway, he's that guy, he's like, he's very strong, uh, and, and broken and weak at the same time, he's a great... Um, He's very human. He's very flawed. It, but it's funny. Mel Gibson, uh, Russell Crowe, uh, Eric Bana. I mean, uh, uh, all these actors, they, it's that Australian thing. They have this sort of like strength, like uh, humanity and, and dark, broken area uh, inside their heart. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There, there's something haunted about, about them and there's a lot going on. But uh, I think Mel's from Brooklyn, actually. What? Oh yeah, well yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, but, raised uh, there. He was raised there. Though. It's so. the Foster. Oh, was it? Oh, there you go. Well, I was closer than <laughs> Sydney. Uh, and then, do you want to take some questions? And, and Sam actually was born in England. I discovered yesterday, two, uh, two days ago. Oh wow, I don't think I knew that. <laughs> he doesn't assume it. Like we were on the BBC morning show, and the girl was like, "And you're from England?" It's like, "No, no, 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 no." no. She's really? like, "Yeah, I've got this thing." So he was like, "No, no, no, no." He actually was born in England. Did you see he finally bought He's a, a plummy? He finally bought a new pair of boots. Did you see that? Uh, he was given a new pair of boots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, he's wearing. He, he was boots. forced to wear. It's like, yeah, you cannot wear this stuff. He was like, "That's what's great about Sam," I and it's also part of why I hired him. It's true, you know, it's not like, you know, actors BS, you know. He was like, he's got two bags, one bag of clothes, which are like three heavy metal t-shirts and one pair of dirty jeans and then, and those boots and one bag of books, like crazy, like serial killer kind of like books, you know. But, um, but that's that guy. He wore a pair of uh, $18 Payless shoes to the Oscars. <laughs> he was very proud of himself. Look, I got new shoes. That's fantastic. Good job. All right, uh, let's take some uh, questions from the audience. Does anybody have any questions about uh, Clash of the Titans or uh, some of uh, Louis' other films? Or other movies in general? Or, or films? Apple products? <laughs> iPad. 
So could you talk about the technology um, and, like, let's say, the cameras that you used and some of that? Yeah. Well, you know, actually, I'm quite old school in my uh, camera work. I... I uh, I like to use anamorphic lenses, which are those lenses from the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s that give you those, that, you know, like when you do a scope image, 235 image, you've got like either you, you punch in into your neck and then you've got like wasted neck on top of bottom. Or what we use is like anamorphic lenses where you literally stretch the picture and the whole neck is exposed. You get like a finer grain and you get those beautiful like, you know, die hard kind of flares, you know, like horizontal flares. It's beautiful, but it's, it's it's complicated. You don't have the same, you know, like you know, the 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 T stop, the F stop is quite, you know, it, 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 these lenses are not as fast, you know, meaning like they don't. You need more light to light them. So for night night stuff and you know it's tough to, to get the focus. But what's great about that is that. I can control my depth of field tremendously. As for the cameras, you know, we had like regular like Panavision cameras and our reflexes cameras, like you know, because I like to you know vary my my speed and 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 work on that stuff. Like some action, I shoot like you know like twenty you know you guys know like twenty four frames a second is like a regular you know it's like the eye is used to it. But like sometimes I go to I I, I go like twenty six frames a second or twenty three or or forty eight for slow mos and stuff like that. But I really I, I really work on my uh, on my uh, speed and also I have like a, a very speed thing that I like to switch. Like for example, you'll see there's a, a scene with witches, so I, I I sort of like vary the speed. So they they look that they're going fast and then when they speak they go slowly and then they accelerate. So I always have that kind of stuff you know i've learned that from like all the, the chinese guys they always use like chinese movies that look a little faster than <laughs> our movies because they are shot you know like at 22 frames per second instead of 24 so people are walking a little faster they fight a little faster so i learned a lot with that you know so i'm like you know that's the technology i use uh so i didn't shoot with 3d cameras because 3d cameras you know first of all this, you know, the stuff was, and it was invented, but James Cameron was, you know, who's the genius behind, you know, all that stuff, was using the three cameras he invented. They were on his show, so we couldn't use them. But also, it's, it's digital. Uh, that system is digital. You got one body, two lenses, and something that splits the, you know, that splits the, the light, uh, uh, the information. So we... Uh, so we didn't shoot that. So, but it gives you, you know, I wanted, anyway, I wanted to keep that neg feeling, you know. But then afterwards, the conversion, the 3D conversion was done in post. So literally, when you do a 3D conversion, you shoot Jeff and I, you shoot it with like a camera. Then afterwards, somebody has to, you know, on a, you know, computer has to sort of like rotoscope, meaning like take out you know, cut out around Jeff, like 24 frames of Jeff per second, and then afterwards map them, meaning like, you know, so like take, take Jeff and, and use him like Stop almost... saying my name. <laughs> <laughs> almost like use him as like a, a you know, like, like, uh, uh, like paint, like, and you, you stick him on a 3D shape, and then imagine you do it like 24, fr 24 times a second, and the movie is like, you know, how many seconds are in the movie? That's more expensive to do it that way than to shoot with a with I don't a think so. No, I don't think so. Three D cameras are really bulky, right? Aren't they? Are they what, sorry? The three D cameras, if you shoot. Well, also, you know, it's still. Aren't they limited? I don't know if it's. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, technology wasn't there, but like, you know, um, I don't know if it's more expensive. You know, it's not that expensive in the whole, you know, scheme of things to convert in three D a movie in three D. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, 
it's fun. It's like you know the new technology. You you, what's great about studios now? They give you the the option to watch a movie in two D and in three D. I mean, I, I like that. I like being given this opportunity as a this mm. choice as a as a movie goer. You know, but uh, but uh, no, it's I don't. Uh, it's not a question of cost. It's a question of like you know, it, in a way, it takes, it's slower to shoot with the three D cameras. I think uh, I haven't done it so, but I think you know it takes like twice the amount of time to put the lenses to check the thing everybody mm. runs in the pod to check the 3D does it look good and everything whereas you know if you convert it afterwards it's shot once and it's shot right once and afterwards you have to check check it check it once yeah okay <laughs> the, uh, the sword fighting the, the creatures that you have really lend themselves to 3D I think yeah but you know it's it's, uh, it's funny my, my uh, like I'm very excited about 3D because I've always wanted to have I mean all, I've always wanted to put the, the, the audience member in the passenger seat of my action you know uh, uh, when the guy gets taken by the scorpion the camera is like right here and you're like Pah! you know the guy gets taken so it's kind of fun to have stuff coming at you and everything but 3D has evolved like, like James Cameron on top of like doing all that stuff yeah, the invention has rewritten the way you shoot 3D instead of like having everybody pointing at you like ah, like you know like movies from the 80s or the 50s where everybody was like ah, pointing in your eye which for no reason it was ridiculous <laughs> the crane yeah I mean I saw even Hitchcock I saw Dial M for Murder which is his 3D movie you know and everything is like <laughs> dude stop <laughs> Where James Cameron, he, he uses the, his screen as a 3D window into a magical world. Only a few times you got stuff popping out of the screen, which is called the interocular. When the interocular meanings the the, the 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 you know the convergence. The convergence is where you put the focus. So you're sort of like 3D focus. So the convergence is your screen, for example. If you have the conver if you want the, the stuff to come out of the screen, you, you bring the convergence deeper. You know, and then and then. Only a few times he puts the conversions deeper. Like for example, when those those you know uh, shiny things float around, that's the only couple of times he does it. But n no one's doing this in Avatar, and no one's doing this in Clash of the Titans. Yeah, it, it definitely has a window pane kind of exactly depth yeah. to it. It really adds to it. Does somebody else have a question? I've heard the term the term used. Could you uh, describe the differences between 2D and 3D? If there is a difference. Yeah, oh, oh, it's very clear. 2D is uh, flat, and 3D is uh, deep. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's. I wouldn't say realistic because it's it's kind of you know imagining all that what I'm seeing is very complicated. Like doing all that stuff will be very complicated to do all this depth and everything. But like imagine when you take a picture, you know, you, you it's like if I take a picture of this room, I'm seeing it like flat, and I can touch all these people. But 3D is the depth, you know. It's, Uh, how long did the 2D to 3D conversion take? Uh, which company did it, and what was the cost of the conversion? Uh, the cost, actually, I, I don't really know, but I think it's south of uh, $5 million, which is not crazy for this kind of a movie. Uh, how long? And that's crazy, and, and they will never do it again because these guys are tired. I mean, I saw them yesterday. They were tired, and uh, 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 that took three months to do. But three months... With 2,000 people all around the world working 24 hours a day doing it, you know what I mean? It's like I said, it's 24 frames per second of a person going around Jeff and doing his little hair that are sticking out, going, and it's very difficult. Then mapping it, taking it like you know wallpaper and sticking it onto a 3D shape. Then another guy is constructing next to it, and that's just Jeff. Then afterwards, you imagine because it's Clash of the Titans, people are like in 
in in forest and stuff like that then there's like smoke in front of them i didn't make their job very easy because i was always putting smoke and water and explosion and stuff the guys they were going crazy and the company is called prime focus you see them sometimes the the, the building is in yoka and yoka and vine next to the uh to the uh to the capitol building tower it's funny it was like one one office at the beginning of the <laughs> one office at the beginning of our movie. Nice, the whole building would return pride focus because they hired like all these guys from all around. Like, if you want to make if you want to make it in the industry nowadays, I'd say become a three D artist because that's the way you will like become the the, the stereographer. You know, the guy, the stereo guy, the the stereographer, the guy that actually has the eye and can judge that. First of all, it's a very painful experience because when it's not working, your brain goes. I mean, literally, sometimes I was watching dailies and my left eye was going uh, like this, you know, like, like lurch, you know, I was like, um, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, but it's a great, it's a, it's a fantastic, uh, like, you know, we know everything is going 3D, so, you know, why fight it? Just, just become a 3D artist and, and prime focus is the place to do it. At the beginning, looking at the script, ready to shoot, are there scenes and sequences that you're more excited to get into, or is it really the body of work that you just want to get to the end? That's a good question. Um, yeah, you get excited about, you know, sort of like getting into... You, you, like the first scene we shot in the movie, and you'll see it's the Medusa layer. It's almost the end of the movie. We shot it first because... It was the toughest scene. And the producer that was working with me, Kevin Delanoy, he shot uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan. And he told Steven Spielberg, we should shoot the beach sequence first. And Steven was like, you're crazy. I want to get into my movie. He's like, no, no, no. You're fresh. Everybody's excited. You, you'll get that sort of like kinetic craziness of people getting really scared because of that. You know, the whole crew will be on edge because they'll be afraid, you know. And he was right. At first, uh, we were exhausted. I mean, you'll see the set is up and down. It looks like an M.C. Escher set uh, 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 drawing. You know, you get staircase going up and down. It's a fantastic set. It's crazy, but like, it's, thanks, but it's insane to work on. There was smoke. And I mean, you know, the fact that no one got burned, fell, broke uh, a leg on this set is absolutely a miracle because it was like the toughest set anybody had shot on. Uh, uh, and... and and yes, I was excited to, to start with this, but very, very anxious. Um, there's a lot of scenes that you start like, in the beginning of the movie. Like, like I had started sequences, like the Kraken, you know, the Kraken rising, all the stuff at the end. That was started three week, three months before we started shooting, because these are like full CG sequences, so you can actually start that stuff. So y in a way, you, you work in parallel. Like I was doing my sort of like, 16 hour day then I was going home and editing the movie and turning shots over and doing like you know here there, that's why I work I work 22 hours a day you know so you get you get excited about everything but but there's a rule in cinema if there's a scene like two guys around the table talking and you're like easy today will be easy it's two guys talking around the table talking that will be your hardest day you'll be like oh my god it's terrible oh I cannot find the angle it's that will be the hardest day so don't take any scene for granted. Everything has to be, you know, you have to come excited about every scene. You have to, you know, pay real attention to every scene. You cannot just, you know, sort of like, you know, wing it. Fantastic. How do you strike a balance between technology driving the scene and at times the story driving the scene? Because this is an extremely technologically deep movie. Yeah. At times the story itself is also very deep. Thanks. Uh, 
See, I don't think of in terms of technology. I, I tell my story. Like I knew I wanted the Kraken uh, to rise out and do all that stuff and all this destruction. Technology was not ready to do it. So I said, screw it, keep going. I, I want to tell that story, so you better invent that that you know that plug-in in that system to get me what I want. You know, that that is what drives the story. You know, uh, and not the opposite. And obviously, it's and then sometimes on set you cannot have uh, uh, you know a guy jumping from uh, two hills something. So this you have to change and find a way to to arrange it in your screenplay. So in a way, that technology sort of like. You know, have has you change your 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 story, but but technology doesn't. I don't let technology affect my storytelling. The story, the story, the acting, the the, the performance, the you know the, the actor, the, the the heart is what needs to drive the movie. If a movie is amazing technically but flat emotionally, uh, no one will go see it. Well, obviously, you didn't see Transformers too. The the box office on that. Uh, is there any more questions? The, the role of lighting. How, how does lighting help you tell your story? Uh, it's everything. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's like it, it, uh, uh, DPs have a tendency to light too much. Uh, as a director, I always have a tendency to tell them to turn off light, 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 and bring like you know, make it calm. You know, it's like I rather I rather have less light and have my light being you know more impressionistic than than just like you know, fl sort of like. I don't care about being sharp and in focus. I just want to tell a story. So for them, especially in anamorphic, it's kind of tough sometimes. I'm like, guys, yeah, it's, it's very important that you're like, he walks in and out of the shadow and everything. So the Medusa scene is a good example. That's the scene where it was pitch dark. I mean, the guys were on the edge of what uh, uh, that those lenses could do. But but some shots were out of focus. We're doing two extra takes sometimes because of that. But it gives like a real feeling to it. And it really drives the story and... and, and, and uh, and you have to have an amazing DP. Your DP is your wingman and 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 a uh, uh, wingwoman, and and they're 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 tremendous artists. It's like I'm not the kind of director that just says choose your choose your angle. I'm like really very precise. I, I choose the lens, I choose the angle, I almost choose the the aperture because I know exactly what I want. But you know, some people can say you know if you really trust a DP and you're not you don't feel confident technically, you can help them. But don't. Don't let them surprise you. Just be in control. And they said that we can have one more question, and then we're going to watch the uh, trailer for Clash of the Titans. Oh, no, I thought uh, Transformers. I thought just <laughs> Transformers 5? <laughs> right, so your movies have been progressively growing bigger and bigger, you know, in terms of budget, in terms of the actors that you have. So is your next movie going to be even bigger, or is, are you going to take a step back and That's make hard. a smaller movie? <laughs> That's a good movie? question. Um, I don't know. Um, I feel comfortable. Like I'm not afraid of big budgets. I'm not afraid of big actors. I'm not afraid of like big set pieces. But but uh, I'd love for my next movie to try something that I haven't done before. Like I've never done a comedy. I've never done. You know, I've never really focused on the actors. I've been like, okay, and you do this, but behind you, there's a huge monster. That's kind of like the stuff I was doing. <laughs> You're in love, but the Kraken is coming. So it was pretty easy for them, but like that's the kind of stuff I'd love to do. But it, uh, you can do big, you can do. Uh, it doesn't mean that there won't be visual effects. I don't know. And frankly, if you're probing to see what I'm doing next, I don't know what I'm doing next. Frankly, I don't know. I'm exhausted. Literally, I took one day off between Hulk and Clash of Titans, so I'm exhausted. <laughs> wow. 
That's pretty amazing. All right, so now we're going to watch the, uh, the trailer, and then um, we'll come back and say goodbye after that. Okay. All right. Somebody's gonna have to make a stand. One day, somebody's gotta say enough. There are two things I want to tell you because because you're like I see inspired small films. French uh, independent film. <laughs> small French. Emmanuel too. My dad would be proud. Uh, um, no, two things. First of all, when you watch, uh, whenever you see a trailer in the movie theater, the visual effects are never finished because you know it, it's up to the end. You know, you finish, you finish up to the end. So the Kraken rising, all that stuff. None of the effects are finished in that trailer. So it's kind of like what you will see this weekend. Uh, you know, it's much better than this. But this is just like a, because I was looking at this. Now, what's important for you, uh, inspired filmmakers? You see in that stuff uh, 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 all the you have to use as many real elements as possible to make visual effects look palpable and real. Uh, uh, I'm using real location, real sun, real flare, real dust, which is a problem, anamorphic lenses, all that stuff. You, it's, it's tough for the visual effects companies, but it, it grounds the visual effect into, into reality. And also to trick the audience's eye, because now everybody is like really aware of what, what is real and what is not, is... Uh, Mix the genres. Have guys in makeup. Have piece of the claws of the scorpions that are real. Use animatronic if you can. I mean, you know, because all that stuff is very expensive. But use as much real stuff and uh, as possible because it helps the actors. It tricks the audience's eye, and it's just better for everyone. So, so. Oh, that's really interesting. You know, Favreau does that too. I, I know he talked about the with like Zathura, the, the the robot. He really wanted the weight of the bottom. No, exactly. And the and, CG at the top. And 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 Favreau on on Iron Man, they were using a real suit of armor that didn't look right on camera. But uh, uh, Robert Downey, he was like moving, like he was moving in the in the the suit instead of like you know just like wearing a you know sort of like a green pajamas with some dots on him, you know, which would have been you know easier for him to move around you know but like yeah it's it's always good to bring as much reality as possible yeah the tactile honesty of it outstanding well everybody um go see clash the titans three times this weekend uh 3D, and 2d 1d <laughs> 1d projector <laughs> 1d it's in la brea it's just flat <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah. and then um and let's hear it for louis and and uh thanks for coming out tonight thank you thank you thank jeff Read, read his blog. It's very, yeah, his blog, he knows a lot. Read his blog. That's very good. Thank you, guys.